we've seen quite a lot of progress in the last five or six years, particularly um, at a policy and at a political level. You know, we have had uh, at least two mental health strategies. We have had the Mental Health Discrimination Act, where not just two, but in fact four MPs stood up and talked about their own experiences of a mental health problem. And when we have talked to all of those MPs subsequently, uh, one of the really interesting aspects of this has been that they've all said to us very clearly that they've had nothing but positive response from their constituents. And I think that's quite an important message for us to, to think about as we start to open up this conversation about mental health. Because that conversation in, in Westminster was actually simply a rather more high-profile, more visible uh, aspect of something that is happening up and down the country on a daily basis, where people with their own lived experience of mental health problems are beginning to feel more comfortable about talking about their experiences to their friends, their family, their work colleagues and others. And I think in many ways that shift in public attitude and in consumer voice, if you like, or user voice, is the most important shift that's happened over the last five to six years. So we, we see little, little examples of that all the time in social media, in, in campaigning work. Uh, we have, mind, have 20,000 campaigners, the vast majority of whom have their own personal experiences. And when something happens, they talk, they don't, and they shout about why this is an important issue. So that might be, at one end of the spectrum, large supermarket chains uh, stocking totally inappropriate Halloween costumes. And at the other end of the spectrum, in this context, people really engaging with the policy debate and policy agenda around mental health. So that voice of people with their own lived experience. When we heard that yesterday um, uh, upstairs from Kerry uh, talking about her own experience is hugely important because that is, that is helping to shift public attitude. And we know that the Time to Change campaign, uh, uh, which tracks uh, public attitude, is showing a very distinctive, very sig statistically significant shift to the, for, to the good in terms of public attitude. And when public attitude starts to shift, well, then political interest also starts to shift too. And it isn't any surprise to us that two parties have been pretty vocal about mental health already. We anticipate all parties being vocal on mental health in the course of the next few months. And as I would certainly encourage you to look at both at the publications that we, uh, we saw yesterday, um, including the Labour Task Force, which had a focus on wider society as well. Why should we even be worrying about this? Well, your title today absolutely puts its finger on the button, which is the question about the disconnect between the rhetoric and the reality. And there are two fundamental issues here. The first one is the funding gap. And the funding gap is very well documented by people who know much more about this than I do. But it's just very clear that for far too many years, mental health has been underfunded. And what we're trying to do, really, is to, is to catch up on decades of underfunding in, uh, in mental health. 13% of funding in the NHS, but 23% of the disease burden. Uh, lots of debate about whether the money has gone up or down over the last uh, two to three years. But I think if you ask people like Claire and her colleagues, they'll say that they continue to be consistently asked to cut services or cut their spend. And last year we saw the, um, the institutional bias of the uh, of the uh, tariff deflator on mental health, uh, which led to further significant challenges for, for providers. But that's not the only gap. The bigger gap here is the treatment gap. 
And in this area, and I think alone in, in many areas, we know from work that Richard and others have done that only a quarter of people with a mental health problem receive effective treatment. So 75% of people with a mental health problem in this country don't receive effective treatment. And that is the biggest challenge of all, particularly when you're thinking about what kind of service, what kind of system do you want to create for the future? Because in straightened economic times and even in unstraightened economic times, uh, there won't be enough money to fund, to fully fund a mental health service in the way that uh, would achieve the same level of access. So that's a really important context for what we need to do. Um, Our manifesto, I think, has mapped out uh, some clear uh, indications of what a next government can and should do. And uh, we really welcome the contribution that the rest of the mental health community is making to a lot of these debates, many of whom are here in the room today. And I think as a community, uh, we are working incredibly effectively uh, to provide a single voice to the rest of the system about what's needed. A few things on our, our shopping list which we think could make a big difference. First of all, that ensuring that everyone who needs them has access to, to, to talking therapies. As part of the We Need to Talk coalition, uh, we are very, very uh, supportive of a lot of the progress that's been made, but we know that there's still a long distance to travel. Bearing in mind this is a nice evidence therapy which just should quite simply be made available uh, to people who need it. <coughs> Secondly, high quality access to crisis care 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Build, we've seen the first steps in that with the, uh, the declarations of the Crisis Care Concordat at a local level all going uh, amber around the country. Now they need to go green with action plans and a future government has got a big job to do to really see that through. Thirdly, uh, and this is the spend point, there just can't be any shying away from the need to uh, put additional investment into mental health. We can do all kinds of efficiencies, we can do all kinds of things to try to make the system as good as it possibly can be, but there just quite quite simply isn't enough resource in the system. And we estimate there's a minimum of 10% increase in real terms by the end of the next parliament is what's needed. Fourthly, as I said, we need that uh, investment in wider upstream work. Well-being and resilience is the, the kind of focus on this. The mental health of children and young people, which I'm sure we'll come on to in the discussions. The mental health of people who are both in and out of work is hugely important for our economy and our society. um, And that requires a national strategy for well-being and resilience. And then two systems things that will make a big difference. Um, Better data and more accountable commissioning. I like Claire Bing having her toes roasted by Barbara Hakim from time to time. But why is it only on one thing, IAPT? Why isn't it on other aspects of the mental health system as well? And secondly, um, uh, embedding mental health in the new models of care envisaged by the five-year forward view. Uh, I think we've seen some good, very promising signs of leadership from Simon Stevens on this agenda. But there's always the uh, tendency, the risk, for the NHS to go into default mode when it comes to mental health and put it on one side rather than bringing it into the middle of the system. So maybe we should learn from all the mistakes that the acute system has made around tariff and payment by activity and other things to to be, again, the the forerunners in terms of the way in which the five-year forward view um, is delivered. After all, we closed quite a lot of hospital beds quite effectively quite a long time ago. Um, And then finally, for me, um, 
I suppose the broader point that mental health has always got to go beyond mental health services. And we tend to think about mental health as a cause as much as mental health as a subset of the NHS. If we just think about mental health as a subset of the NHS, then we won't get to the place that people with their own experiences of mental health problems tell us they want to be at. People want relationships, homes, jobs, uh, quality of experience, and yes, good quality care and treatment, but that's to enable them to participate as equal citizens in our society. And so... To, to achieve that, we're calling for a continuation of the Time to Change campaign to continue that improvement in public attitudes um, and a commitment to really transform the support offered to people who are out of work because of their mental health problems. I really think we are in the middle of an inexorable movement for change around mental health. Uh, we've seen challenges to the system as we've never seen before, but I think the biggest challenge now is to the rest of the NHS and indeed um, the rest of society to create a mainstreamed mental health, both in thinking and in delivery. Because after all, we owe it to the one in four of us who experience a mental health problem to get it right first time. Thank you.